I'm Natalie Nowak, and you're listening to On My Way to a BFA. This podcast chronicles my experiences as I go through the process of getting my BFA in musical theater at the Hart School. This episode is a conversation with Andrew Bradis. You may know him as Annoying Actor Friend. We thought it would be fun to chat and see what each other has been up to since we last talked. I hope you enjoy our conversation. I'm here with Andrew Bradis, Annoying Actor Friend. Andrew, you were my first ever interview on this podcast, so I thought it would be fun to bring you back about a year and a half later to just kind of catch up and, uh, you know, just see what each other has been up to. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I say my joke is always like, how many times can I talk myself onto other people's <laughs> podcasts, podcasts more than once? And I managed to like inception this one, which is great because you, you asked me, but you didn't know that I like, I had been like putting it out there. So, oh, well, perfect. <laughs> but, uh, perfect. Uh, how is your, how has your, uh, your two, uh, you are halfway done Yes. with college right now. Yeah. It's crazy. It, I mean, when, you know, during the school year, especially first semester for the past two years, it feels like this is never going to end because, you know, you're doing so much every day and rehearsals every night. And it's just like, I remember, I think it was Mondays and Wednesdays. I was at school from 8.30 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. because I didn't have enough breaks to actually go home during the day. So during those times, it was like, this is going to go on forever. And when is the year going to be over? But then afterwards right now I'm like oh that went by pretty quickly so it's it's crazy how that happens I know exactly that feeling where you're like in it and it seems like the winter is a never going to end Mm -hmm. um of course you know that because you're from Chicago so you're familiar (laughs) with from that's worse there but um like it feels like it's never gonna end and then like and then all of a sudden it's it's May and you're done you're like wait that happened yeah um but uh wait where what are you living there not living on campus then no, I'm living off campus in an apartment. Where were you freshman year? Were you in the D complex or B complex? I was the in, complex I was is still in, there? They are still there. I was in C complex. And oh. yeah, the fire alarm went off all the time. It was, it was yeah. great. Wait, it was great. Well, I really think C complex was always the one that had the fire alarm yeah. go off. And and I would hear about it. And I was thinking about this today, today that I, I why I don't take naps. And how I took one nap in college freshman year. And it was the year that they did a test fire alarm in B yeah. complex and I slept through it and I got written up. But didn't you get written up if you didn't do it? You get I like some, you get, yeah. there was like a fine or something. Like I wasn't allowed to go to the commons or something for like a week. I don't know. Something happened because wow. I slept through and they had to break into my door. Oh my God. And I was yeah. like, wait, <laughs> like, I'm wait, that what? college kid. I was like, I'm that college kid now. Like I, <laughs> they say, yeah, they say it's always the same complex where that happens. Like I have friends who are a couple years older and they were like, yeah, it's for some reason, it's always that one. And I used to be a very heavy sleeper. Like nothing could wake me up. And then after freshman year, like now I will wake up to the slightest noise all because of the constant fire alarms. That's that's so crazy that yeah. it's the same complex. I'm pretty positive it was the same complex 30 years ago when I went there. Yeah. Um, but oh my gosh, it was not that long ago. <laughs> uh, it was not that long ago, guys, but it was it was almost that long ago. Uh, <laughs> but um, So they do sophomore projects now more throughout the year than just the first semester, right? Yes. More, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. And then yeah. is it, you can do the, you do the main, the musicals junior and senior year? Yes, we do. Yeah, I think that they started doing the sophomore projects when I was like a junior, Maybe I was a okay. no. I, I was never a senior, so I, don't, I almost said I was a senior. But uh, uh, my it must have been my junior year where they started doing like the first semester. MT had a project, and they must have made them more because I think the class sizes got bigger starting with my class. 
So did they um, let you do the main stages then when you were younger? Yeah. That, yeah, that, see, that's nice. They did. They, but they, they, and they, they kind of, they sort of shot themselves in the foot a little bit because we were such a bubble class and they mm-hmm. hadn't quite prepared for it. So it's like they had to find, and everybody had to do one show a semester. So they had to like put an extensive ensemble of women into the Crucible, which was the junior. Oh my gosh, they did the Crucible um, this year as well. <laughs> oh, they did. They yeah. did. Oh, that's wild. I wonder if they did. The, did, did you guys do nudity in the beginning? Because we did. No, they didn't. They were all about nudity when I was there. Um, <laughs> It's like, how much random nudity can we throw in? Uh, yeah, they did like the whole a uh, prologue with um, the witches in the woods okay. with Tituba. And then um, and that was at Millard, which I don't even know mm. if you guys do Millard anymore. We do. do you? We do. You yeah. do. Mm-hmm. And then um, but my I was in the black box wild party okay. for a semester. The Andrew Lippa one. Mm-hmm. And then um, second semester I did. Uh, the main stage was Seven Brides of Seven Brothers, and I was in that. And then they also needed to fill out the Junior AT's main stage spring show with people because they needed they had a, like a nine person class. So I was one of the lovers in Love's Labor's Lost. So I got to do a Shakespeare. Okay. Is that the so one to, you posted yeah. on Instagram the other week about the? That one. Was Wait, that the one? Was, yeah, it that was, was the one where, where they made us come in <laughs> in towels. Yep. <laughs> or no, we came in in period bathing suits. And then we changed on stage behind hedges and came out to sign the contract and the opening, the four guys signed this contract, this uh-huh. like, merit, like love contract. And we all, every time we came out to sign it, one by one to say our monologue, we would be in a towel. <laughs> Again, <laughs> oh the nudity. Again, the nudity. Yeah, I don't know. And then, uh, uh, yeah, that, that was that. And then, uh, and then junior year, um, I did some other shows, uh, but that's when I did hair. And then that's when I did, um, I didn't do the main music. I was always trying to skirt growing my hair out and mm-hmm. growing a beard because they'd always make the guys not cut their hair, have a beard. Do they still do that? They still do that. Yep. I always found a way around it. How? Like, um, sophomore year, it was like, I don't think they, hmm, no, I think when I was in Wild Party, I either they wanted a, a couple more like clean cut looking guys because it was the 20s. Mm-hmm. And... And so I got around that. Then for Seven Brothers to Seven Brothers, I wasn't one of the brothers, which, boy, was I pissed off about that. Mm-hmm. And I, so the suitors didn't have beards. They didn't want the suitors to have beards, but the brothers did. And then I was a lover in Love's Labor's Lost, and they, he, they didn't want facial hair for that. They were, like, so I was kind of was a character that would be young. And then junior year, because I was clawed in hair, I was the only person who, who could have short hair because I had to look like I went to war at the end. Yeah. And then I think I had, and I did Measure for Measure um, and this other new musical. And because I had played multiple characters, they, and wigs and stuff, they, mm-hmm. I got around it. I think I also at some points would be like, I'm getting headshots. So oh, yeah. I, that's a good yeah, I, I, I did yeah. that for a while, but I definitely did get around it. It was like me and one other guy got around it. Oh, my gosh. Our- we, um, should, we should put out a little disclaimer because I don't want anyone who's like, interested in going to the heart school to think that they force you to like you know no, look a certain no. way so i just want to put that out there but they definitely encourage um you know grooming habits that might uh better suit you for the part so just want to yeah put that exactly. out there yeah that's that all it forced, is it so. like they're like they don't they, but they do like you know request like say yes. hey it'd be great if you and then i was always like uh how do i get around this yeah um and uh uh Yes, and I also went that to heart when really short hair was really trendy. Yeah. So I, <laughs> it's like, don't make me have long hair. But then, you know, I got over that later. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, 
And so, wow, wow, memory is coming back here. Oh, yes. We should talk about what you've been up to because you've been doing some cool things. So uh, if you could just tell me a little bit about something that fascinated me recently that I saw on social media is your experience with SNL. So if you could just, you know, share a little bit about what that was like, I'm sure yeah. everybody would love to hear. Yeah, I want to. Uh, I did. Um, I worked as a guest writer on the season finale that Tina Fey hosted. Um, and uh, they have sometimes some of the hosts sometimes have like maybe a writer or somebody that they'll like also will work with them um, as a guest writer. It's happened before. Um, I think Mindy Kaling was back back in the day was a guest writer for one episode. So I always say like I have as many credits on SNL as Mindy Kaling. <laughs> um, so that's like a huge honor. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so I worked on some stuff for the episode with her and, um, and then they, uh, they were kind enough to, to credit me as a, as a, as a guest writer, which is my first official, um, professional TV writing credit. Um, so I get to start earning points for the WGA, which is the Writers Guild. Yes. Very similar to when you like when I was earning equity points. Um, so it's like it's the same kind of process. You get different points based off of what you've done on a, on a, on either anything from a staff writer to a screenplay has a different like level of points, and then you get to 24 and you get to join the guild. So wow. um, it's something I'm very excited about and. I th it was a big week for me when I found out that that was going to happen because like, you know, it's been, I've been through a bit of a career change since my time at heart. And, mm -hmm. um, so my, f when I was at heart was when I left, I left school, um, after my junior year to go do, um, a national tour that went out of good speed that Julie Andrews directed. It was of the boyfriend and, um, which is a show that she made her Broadway debut with. And that's how I got my equity card. And that was such a big deal. And like, then, you know, like I, which we can get into my, 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 my life sort of pivoted out of theater in a very like rocky fashion. I think <laughs> similar to like when you like falling down a mountain was sort of, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> like I entered at the peak and then was like, oh, look at me, I've got this. And then I sort of tripped and then like, uh, stumbled down like about a, a decade long mountain oh, and, then, and landed, uh, where I am today. And so, um, it, it was kind of like, it was, I sort of likened it to that being, you know, like your aid getting this huge job. And it's like, let me tell you something. If you stick out long enough, you get to have those feelings again, because it was like the most amazing week to get to, to be part of this, this show that I've, that I've loved since I was probably like seven. Yeah. Uh, but never envisioned myself anywhere near because yeah. I was a theater person. And, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, I was thinking about this. Uh, I was thinking about is something, I think we talked about this last time where I were talking about choosing your colleges mm -hmm. and how I said, said something like along the lines of like, when you choose your college, like it, it's a big deal, but like, it's such a small world that you'll end up, yeah, you'll end up in the same, like you'll end up meeting the same people that you would have gone to college with had you sh gone to that other college. Right. And I was thinking about this where it's like, and when I was in high school, I had like two things I loved a lot. And one was musical theater and, and one was the improv and hosting and sort of sketch comedy aspect that my high school was very forward thinking. <laughs> like we had mm -hmm. a lot of, we had like, we had a full improv team that used to sell out shows and compete with other schools. And, and so I used to love both of those, but I didn't know that you could go into that after high school. I didn't know there was a thing called second city or UCB or any of that. And I did not Google. So <laughs> Um, and I wouldn't even know, like, I don't, uh, being completely transparent, I'm not a sketch comedy person, but I feel like I'm a sketch comedy writer, yeah. but I, I, but I went towards the musical theater route and, and then I still ended up in the sketch comedy route. So it was like, I went one trajectory and then ended up on the other possible one that I never knew I could try. So I think that like, that's my thing right now is like, oh, just like hang out in New York or LA long enough 
and you'll figure it out. <laughs> it's like I, I talked to I was talking to a friend the other day and he was saying something about like people who go to like a four year long conservatory and then leave after two years, mm-hmm. leave New York after two years or uh, leave L.A. And it's like you didn't put in as much time pursuing it as you put in training for it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I like but then I think about some of the, my peers at my college, my my time at heart, and some of them didn't even move to New York. Yeah. Uh, and and of course everybody has their own trajectory of what they want to do, but I'm always like, like if you really really do want it and you give yourself the time that you put into it in school, I do think that you'll end up carving that path that you may may have wanted or the path you didn't know you wanted, which I think is kind of where I've ended up. Yeah, and I think also what you said about you know being well, you use the falling off of the mountain, but I think you know <laughs> when you're at kind of a low point in in your career sometimes I can I can imagine it's hard to think into the future and to be like oh but it's going to be fine like it'll eventually work itself out but just hearing your story and other people's stories who had similar experiences like just for people who are listening who might be younger just to know that if you stick it out it you know you're gonna get results and you're gonna end up where you're supposed to be yeah, exactly. And I think that and to and to like sort of clarify as far as like my what my falling off the mountain thing was <laughs> is that like I had a lot of stuff handed to me in high school and while I was in college. I had I got very lucky and I would get jobs very easily and um I worked really hard in college, but you can always work harder, but I feel like I worked really hard and and then I got stuff and I think when I got off that tour which was, you know, it was a you know, it was a, it was a, it was the boyfriend. It wasn't like this high profile tour, but it had a lot of really, 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 really talented people in it. And the second we all got back to New York, they all went book Broadway shows like yeah. back, back, back. And like, for example, Krista Rodriguez was on that tour with me and we were the same age and it was like, we, mo- we moved to New York and she went right into spring awakening. And I was like, wait, what about me? Like as if Krista and I are the same type, you know, <laughs> talk right. about comparing, comparing yeah. yourself to somebody else's, you know, thing. And so, but everyone was so talented and they just sort of kept going. And I was waiting for these things to get handed to me again. And I stopped working at it and I stopped like going, like I didn't pick up a voice teacher on my own as much as I should have. I didn't go to the classes the way you were when you're in conservatory every day. And so I just ended up, uh, like not booking anything and then progressively like losing the talent that I had. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so like somewhere in my mid twenties is when I just did a hard stop and, and quit the business. Um, and then said, I think I'd like to write now. Yeah. (laughs) And like, cause that's, cause that's the, like, let me find something quote unquote easier. Like, I mean, (laughs) Uh, let me let me start a whole new skill that I haven't worked on at all, but I spent the last you know fifteen years of my life doing yeah. theater. So I kind of had to start all over again, and that's essentially what Annoying Actor Friend ended up being was me. That was my college again. Like that was mm-hmm. my second time going back to college because like this time I was teaching myself. Um, yeah. And so it took time to build that up again, up and then like learn how to whatever my voice or what I like to write is, and and so. Because yeah, I'm I'm so passionate about the arts and the entertainment business that I was never going to leave it entirely. But I, at some point, had to have a wake up call and go, okay, maybe there's something about this world, this theater world, that's not making you get up every day and try to get better at it. Mm. Which I think is the thing you do need to have because I have that with writing, but I didn't have that with acting. That's interesting. So, do you mean specifically like if you're having a particularly discouraging time with 
with writing. If you're trying to write something and you're like, I just can't, I just don't know, but you still get up the next day and you're excited to try again. Is that kind of what you mean? Um, kind of in different ways. Like I, I think I've got like a, a healthier uh, approach to like, I'll know if like this is sometimes you just have a deadline. And since I'm doing everything sort of on my own in right now, there are a lot of them are self-imposed deadlines. I've had a few deadlines that are like actually imposed by an employer. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think that sometimes you have to be aware be like, okay, is there actually it's called like losing the light. Like if you have mm-hmm. the light, you know, like when you're at a rehearsal for like seven hours, but then at the end of it, you guys are just toast. And yeah. it's like, okay, <laughs> nothing's going to be retained. Yes. Um, um, I have that I'll be like, Oh, I don't have the light right now or the light has been lost. Uh, so like, I kind of know when to stop. But um, I'd say like, it's, it's just easy. It's a little bit easier for me to, to get going on writing every day than it was to like get up and start warming up or finding a monologue to work on or yeah it's also more of that's uh, flat out I think it's harder to do that because you got to rely on other people you've got to yeah. you got to pay for a coach it's expensive um and this I can sort of just sort of do on my own um but I don't know if I quite answered that correctly but no you did totally Something that you started, I feel like it was a, it might have been a couple months before we talked, but I wanted to talk about turning the tables because I love watching those. So if you could just describe kind of what it is to people who haven't seen it and then kind of how it came about, I'm fascinated to learn about that. Turning the tables is uh, like an improv based web series that I do, um, that I got asked to do from, uh, by Ellen Marie Marsh, who's in, was in Kinky Boots for uh, about five years and now she's about to open Pretty Woman. Um, on Broadway. And she had this concept in the end of 2015, where it she was like, Oh, I, I want to I want to do a video auditioning casting directors for shows that they cast. So it was like an absurdist point of view of just like, let's have, you know, Rachel Hoffman of Telsey come in and sing from her book, but the book is stuff that she casts <laughs> on Broadway. Or let's have Tara Rubin come in and do sides from Jersey Boys because she cast that. And I I did not know what this was going to be, but I was like, yes, because I love Ellen and she's so great. Mm-hmm. And I said, sure, I'll, I'll be there. I was convinced that this thing was going to be like a three minute video, like a supercut video yeah. of like, just like, oh, that's funny. Look, there's Bernie Telsey auditioning for Hamilton. That's hilarious. Okay, then cut, right? Uh-huh. And but she was like, no, I think this is a web series. And I was like, no, I don't think it is. I was like, I was so wrong uh, because we showed uh, I showed up and I did not know Julia Madison as um, an improver uh, writer who's on that um, performer. Um, uh, Andrew Chappelle, who's in Hamilton, and Ellen, we were going to be the four behind the table. And I just sat down and Rachel Hoffman came in and they, it was like, they just started improving what to have her do. And I said, oh, buckle up. I'm like, <laughs> I don't, I am with like serious people right now. Yeah. And we spent half an hour with Rachel and then it, it, we cut that down to like six minutes, but every single person was like half an hour of just material. And um, so essentially what it is now is that was the first kind of try try season this now what we do is we audition actors for roles that they played on Broadway and it's a weird absurdist thing because it's like like for example Kelly O'Hara will come in and we'll have her do uh what do you call like something from Bridges of Madison County and like she has an awareness that she played the role on Broadway yeah the the camera and the audience have the awareness but the four of us are the creatives are just completely um inept to that and um and it's like, you know, there is that thing where they say there's comedy and truth. So where yeah. is the truth in that? And I don't necessarily know if there is truth in it other than the fact, I think what people started seeing is the truth is, is like, is that you're watching Kelly O'Hara go through a terrible audition yeah. and it's so painful, but they're still pushing through, even though they can't, they have to be classy and can't say, you know, I played this right and mm-hmm. talk back. So it makes you feel 
like it makes the viewer f- uh, feel what those auditions feel like. <laughs> and it's fun to do. And it's fun to like, it kind of gives me that like extra bit of like what I don't get in not performing anymore. I kind of get that like a couple times a year for a day and I, it satiates that need. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, we still have a few more that we shot in August that got um, tied up in editing to drop, but we haven't shot any since August. Uh, but we did two big days with like, you know, Billy Porter and, oh, um, wow. yeah. and Leslie Margarita and then like, uh, uh, Philippa Sue and, and, uh, and it's fun. If anything, being honest, it like ignites the theater nerd in me. Cause I get to sit and watch these people give me like concerts yeah. five feet. And then, but then I have to tell them to stop. Right. <laughs> who out of all the people who, who came in for that surprised you the most, either like what you thought they would be like, or what, just what they brought to it. Who surprised you the most? They're all awesome and fun in different ways because they're all trying to please, but they all try to please in a way that like some are just so, so earnest, like, (laughs) like, like Kelly O'Hara and Philippa Sue really, really were like wanted to try to take the notes and be like and like do the best that they possibly could. Um, Then you'd have like uh, Leslie Margarita and Billy Porter were really, really good at like kind of nailing the like the the slow dying inside thing mm-hmm. where it's like that 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 they can't say anything and then um uh about it but you can tell they're like really like angry that they're there um the dancer one was a lot of fun too because uh because it was all these really cool Broadway dancers that we did a, a kind of a mock dance audition and that thing lasted for like an hour mm-hmm. and they they were all I'm not surprised by this because I know dancers have have insane abilities beyond just dancing, but it was really fun to get to see these dancers get to use their improv skills and their yeah. acting skills that they don't always get to showcase. Um, so that was fun too. Yeah, no, I love watching them. Uh, oh, how are your parents doing? Because <laughs> I, I think you guys should go back and listen to, if you can find it, the, oh my gosh. Uh, Nelly's first, first episode. Cause I mean, just listening to your supportive parents talk. So, well, supportively, um, but yes. like with such, such um, education as to far as like what it means to pursue this and awareness of what this business is. But as far as like being what it means to find people who support you mm-hmm. in your life and, and in, um, I think it was your dad said something about like, and that might, or maybe it's your mom. It might not always be your parents, but you it's, you have to go out and find those people. Yeah. And it was, I mean, I just love that conversation you guys had. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was fun having them on. I'm trying to remember how that came about because I think, well, my mom is so funny because she was like, she was like, you know, maybe I could just, uh, you know, come on your podcast every once in a while and like, you know, tell a story or like, and I was like, <laughs> well, I don't know about that. So then I thought about it. And I was like, no, maybe there's a way to incorporate them. And cause I think it is important to hear a parent's perspective, especially for kids who want to study musical theater, because, yeah. you know, if you tell the average person who doesn't, who isn't into the arts that you're studying musical theater they're kind of like well what what does that mean like I don't really understand so to have you know parents can go and listen to that and be like okay this is kind of what it's about and yeah I mean it's just it's just nice to to have their support just the the effort that that I put in at school is understood by them and they know how hard I work and they know how important it is to me and just like I can I don't know. I have friends who go to school for theater and their parents aren't as supportive and I see what that does to them and their confidence. And so it's just, you know, I just, I feel lucky to have them. Yeah. It's so great. It's so great that you have them and that they're so like, you can tell that they love it 
yeah. and that they're yeah and they love it and yeah i think it's great and i just love it it's like you did the quiz and oh you're like God. he's like your dad's like the full the first answer is alphabet and you're like no <laughs> no wait no i gotta i gotta shuffle these questions around exactly no he knows he, he guesses he has seen wicked with me like so many times it's so funny and after we see it or like when we'll listen to the cast album he'll be like did you hear how you know in this song she did that and whatever and he doesn't know anything about you know music like from a educational perspective he's very yeah, I love it. very invested in it and it's a dream role so you know i'm happy yeah to, which to, and luckily yeah. it'll be around for a while yeah so. exactly <laughs> i i'm hoping yeah, it looks like it. It doesn't look like it's going anywhere. Think, Did, what What are the, uh, what is going to say, what are like the shows that college kids love these days? Like what are, like what um, are the shows? Dear Evan Hansen. Right. Definitely. Um, what else? I mean. I could say Wicked was also Wicked, when I was in college. Wicked yeah. was, a big, was in college. Yeah, and still um, is. And what else? I mean, well, now Mean Girls. People. I was about to ask yeah. how, like, because did that, did that album come out before you left or did you, had you already left? I had, I had already came. left, okay. um, but uh. people, but people were still talking about it and a couple of people in my class had seen it and so, and they loved it. And the funny thing is that Mean Girls, the, I don't know, I don't know about the original book, but the movie was based on Evanston, Illinois, which is where I'm from. So it's like strange. Oh, right. It's, it takes place in, yeah. I oh, guess that's funny. to watch that and I'm like, oh, I haven't seen the musical. I want to, but just seeing the movie, I'm like, oh yeah, that, that is, that, that looks, that looks yeah. like it. Yeah. And I know a lot of a lot of the students are based on like vaguely based on like who Tina went to high school with in mm-hmm. different ways. Um, the uh, we said this something about like when I went to the, the after party for SNL and I was like, I walked in. Of course, I'm always like, am I allowed to be in here? You yeah. know? <laughs> it's just fifteen hundred people on like where the rink in Rockefeller Center is. They mm-hmm. put a tent over it and I walk in and there's like. The, this is all these people there but then like in the center of the dance floor is the cast of Mean Girls doing the electric slide with Kate oh my McKinnon gosh. but it's like cast of Mean Girls doing the electric slide with Kate McKinnon and Tina's friend from high school who I'm friends with now that I'll be like I'll be like oh I'm here I, this, these are my people <laughs> <laughs> I don't That's know Kate amazing. McKinnon <laughs> but uh, it just was like the funniest visual because it's like it was like here comes the New York theater community into the, this world it was really cool yeah. but uh, I I have to say it's like unabashedly like love that musical that I love Mean Girls so much. And it took me a minute to make sure that I wasn't loving it from a perspective of just like a supporter of the people who wrote it mm-hmm. to be like when the album came, it was like when the album came out last week and I was listening to it for the second time before 6am. Cause I wake up very early for work. Yeah. Um, and I, I was listening, I was like on the second listen to it and I went, Oh my God, I haven't listened to a cast album like this since college. Yeah. And, because I'm not really a cast album person. I talk like I, I like musical theater. I like going to it, but I don't like. I just don't. It's not a phase that I've been in in a while where I'll sit and just listen to. Um, I know I listen to a couple of Hamilton songs every now and then, but I was listening to that and, like for the second time in a row. I said, "Oh man, I feel like I'm in high school again. Like I'm about to make some bad uh, financial decisions um, and and start going back to me- BFA musical theater program because like, <laughs> it brings that back." So totally. Uh, so now that I've done a big commercial for Mean Girls, but guys, I, I freaking love Mean Girls. But, uh, and I've loved that movie, clearly. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it's a classic. <laughs> it's a classic. It, and it's such a big influencer in like some of the early annoying actor friend stuff I was doing when I mm-hmm. didn't know how to, when I didn't know how to do memes or like, it was early. We're talking 2013. I would rewrite Mean Girls lines to have to do with theater. Yeah. Just, or like, um, I did like my Broadway chapter is all about how Broadway. And my first book is all about Broadway's like high school 
And so I do, I redid like the Mean Girls lunch table map, but it was uh, like each theater was a lunch table. Oh and my gosh. Then, so like, <laughs> So like the Gershwin was the plastics. Yes. And, and like that'd be I make up other ones like Rich Kids for Book of Mormon because that's a show where a bunch, like you can stay in that for ten years. And then I had like I had like a line across East of Broadway pointing to East of Broadway saying Desperate Wannabes. Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> it was like at the time in 2013 nothing ran past uh, three weeks if yeah. you were on a musical East of Broadway. Like beautiful change that, but. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's always been influential to me. So to like see it go through this process and become this like great great musical has been so cool. Yeah, um, and there's see. like a hundred and fifty roles for girls in that. That's so true. Yeah, and they all have great songs. So next year you're gonna be listening to all. It'll yes. be like how many? Okay, how many waving through windows have you had to listen to? last year how many guys sing that song in college or do or do they not let them sing it a couple people i don't know about other like in other vocal studios and other master classes but for the seniors they uh, quite a few of them got callbacks for dear evan hansen so they were singing it in master class just to like prepare for the videos that they had to send in so like i probably heard i don't know not too many times though i'm actually surprised like i would have thought that i would have heard it more but i don't know Maybe they also steer them away from it. I know that like if I were to be more like for my version of that would be Wicked when I was there. And I think yeah. I only heard two girls sang Wizard and I yeah. in my time there. And one of them was Christine Dwyer. Yes, Christine. Uh, I got to see her do it like. And I, I talk about this. Do I talk about this with you that like when I finally saw Wicked, I finally saw it for the first time like four years ago when Christine was finishing her run on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And I had this. I, I was like, I got to go to see Christine do this. And she was singing Wizard and I. And then I had like one of those cinematic moments where like I was swept away visually, like watching her on the Broadway stage. And all of a sudden she was in like the janky studio at heart yeah. back before they got new studios. And I was watching like and she had like, you know, pink hair yeah. and like how she was then and was still always amazing, but more shy. And yeah. then it was like and then I was brought right back to the Broadway stage. And then it was like it was a cool moment. That's so cool. Uh, That's like full circle. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then you go back in August, right? I do, yeah. And we actually don't start until September 5th this year. They changed it to starting super late. So I'll probably go back in August and, you know, have a week or two to just kind of... Do they just cut um, time off of you or do you... Because I know December, like your break is like December 20th or something. Yeah, no, they actually... It's still it's still the same amount of time. Uh, like they, we still have the same amount of winter break. And then I think, I think summer starts around the same time. So they just cut a few days off the beginning, which is... Which is okay, uh, so, kind of good, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I remember like having to go out there on like the twenty fifth or something because it always conflicted with the summer show I was finishing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I missed. Like I remember, I, like my dad went to my convocation. No, I went to convocation. My dad went to like all the early, um, what do you call a uh, orientation stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. Because I my show didn't close until two days later, and then I remember I missed all of the the convocation stuff my junior year but uh yeah they did you guys do they still do the senior auction is that a thing no we don't do the auction i remember you telling me about that but they do um senior cabaret where you donate to the senior class and they put on a show but it's full of inside jokes from their class and from things like from their sophomore projects that are still hilarious so like we have that but we don't have the auction i wish we did though because it sounds funny it was really funny but now i'm like maybe in this era (laughs) <laughs> yeah. but I remember being all about it and then I never got to do it 
Um, oh, yeah. I remember be- I came across an email to like my senior class. I got looped in because I was on tour during when uh, when it came out when you get when the guys went back for my senior year. And I remember them discussing my see my class discussing if they when they were going to do the auction at like the beginning of the year or near the end of the year. And I was like, you do it at the beginning of the year before anybody, you know, gets wind of your bullshit. Yeah. Like the freshmen aren't going to know anybody. They're just going to be like they're just going to know you by face value. Yes. So they're not going to be like, that guy's crazy. Uh, that is so true because you they, quickly learn everything about everyone. Oh, way too fast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> way too fast. Did you uh, last, I'm going to, one of the things you asked me is like how, how the faculty works with you as far as like stretching you or mm-hmm. pulling, doing things out of your comfort zone or maybe doing things you wouldn't be maybe against type. Have you been able to like dabble in any of that yet or um, how's that? Acting wise, it has, I haven't been put in things that are against type but singing wise because I can choose what to sing which I think is great is you know that's where I feel like I'm I've you know been stretched the most you know for master class or for my voice lessons I can bring in whatever song I want to work on and my voice teacher Larry is like okay let's figure this out oh great so that's yeah that's great yeah that's kind of how it starts I think now and then you'll uh you know and you might not get to in the shows as much as maybe the scenes the stuff like that but uh um, yeah. it depends. Like again, your, uh, what are your fall shows again? Uh, there. sweet charity and nonsense. Okay, cool. Which good, so. good, good, like good women shows. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. Definitely. Is Ralph choreographing sweet charity? Yes, he is. Of course. He is. He's going to live Ralph. his life for that. I love <laughs> Ralph Perkins. I want to interview him. I got it. Oh, I need to do to that. Ralph here. You have to get Ralph on here and talk to him about Vegas and talk to him. <laughs> Talk to him about when he got when he got pulled over for having way too much like fertilizer in a oh truck. Oh my gosh, yeah, and they it, thought it was bombs or something. They Did thought it was a bomb. <laughs> was Debbie Markowitz there when you were? Yes. Okay. Debbie, yes, Debbie was there. So during our stagecraft class freshman year, she would tell us all these stories about Ralph and about like about the big <laughs> truck that he was driving like near the airport. The police came into school one day and like uh we were looking for a Ralph Perkins and he was like, what? He's <laughs> just like teaching they, ballet class, living his life. <laughs> he had way too much fertilizer. I don't know why he had fertilizer, but they thought he was going to make bombs. Yeah. <laughs> and like, if you know Ralph, that there is oh, no like, way he is the... What? His five foot six, like Southern fabulous gay he's man. He's adorable. Like, <laughs> I love Ralph. <laughs> I, I'll, that, that, was, that was amazing. I remember you telling that story. Hello, listeners. I'm currently editing this episode and couldn't find a natural transition into our next topic. So enjoy the next part of our conversation where we talk about Jurassic Park. I have to say, I've never I know I know absolutely nothing about Jurassic Park. The only knowledge I have of it is from you and on social media. So I feel like I have like a pretty good, you know, you get. Yeah, I was standing at this point. (laughs) I would I would I would I would take a look at it. Oh, wait, this is a really fun uh, release story for me. Uh, Full circle sort of thing is that it's uh, I I talk about this. I've talked about this on other podcasts that I'm sure all you guys have been listening to. Uh, But (laughs) um, when I was a kid, I was really, 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 really obsessed with the movie. And I really wanted to be in it. And I was very upset that I was not. Joseph Mazzello, who played the kid in it, like why wasn't I in that movie? Mm-hmm. So I would cry about it all summer long, crying. Like I, I, I love Jurassic Park so, to the point in which I hated it, and so I was so upset. And my mom finally just said, "Why don't you just write Steven Spielberg a letter and ask him to be in the next one?" And I went, <laughs> "Okay." And so she found his production company's address, and I wrote a handwritten letter and sent it off. And then a couple months later, his head of PR wrote back and basically explained how casting directors work. 
and how, uh, how to get into the business to become an actor. And it was such a nice, thoughtful letter. And that's when I said to my mom, I said, cause I was, she'd been trying to get me into, to interested in doing youth theater and I was too afraid to. And when I got that letter, I went, I'm ready to audition for youth theater plays. So it was kind of the first movement I made as an, as a, like, as a human was the first choice I made was because of this letter to Steven Spielberg. And it's how my whole trajectory and my life began at that moment. Right. Yeah. So I'm at Saturday night live on last weekend and uh, my wife and I are in the front row of the bleachers in the center. And there's about an hour before the show starts where the band's warming up and playing and, um, it's really cool. And we look down and my wife hits taps on the shoulder and she goes, Oh, there's just, there's Lauren Michaels just chilling with Steven Spielberg. And, oh my I gosh. Look down, and I look down and there's just Steven Spielberg and he's just hanging out. And then I was like joke whispering from the bleachers. I was like, Mr. Spielberg, did you get my letter? Um, <laughs> but I didn't hit me until later. Cause when my credit name on the credits rolled and I used to go to Jurassic park and watch the credits roll at the end and visualize my name oh my gosh. on the credits. And so, I know that this isn't Jurassic Park, but it's like it started there. And yeah. now I got my name on, on this, you know, my first TV credit rolling on the credits and Steven Spielberg's there. Wow. And it was that just is, so That like, is weird. crazy. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, that's I was like this cool sign for me. And um, but yeah. uh, it's really cool what they do before the show. Michael Che will come out and like kind of do a little bit of stand up. And he's just really funny, gets the crowd going. And then Keenan comes out with like the with the cast members, three of the women cast members, and they do they do like a number. He does this like Ooh. amazing production like number. It's a different song, I think maybe every night that he does, and it's like he just sings like because he's a great singer. And they they dance, they sing back up, and it's all about getting like everybody fired up. And then they just run off, and then it, it's silence, and then it's like a minute countdown before the show starts. But it's like this little thing that they only do for the the audience, uh, which I think is that's so cool. Yeah, I, I hope that they record it so one day they can do like a supercut for Keenan when he if he yeah. ever, if if, he ever, if God forbid he ever leaves the show. Yeah, uh, um, that guy's been doing stand up comedy my entire life. Really? <laughs> well, certainly, he's been on that show your entire life. He has. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, did all, he did this show called All That on Nickelodeon when he was a kid. Okay, I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah that's where Amanda Bynes came from. And- Amanda Bynes. Oh my gosh, I used to watch. You know the Amanda Show. Have you heard yeah. of that? I used to yeah. watch that all the time. I think that that, came, that was Nickelodeon, right? Yeah. Yeah, that came after all that. It was like okay. she, did, she went on to all that and then they gave her that show. And then I think did some, yeah, I, that was a spinoff or something like that. But uh, I did not watch it because I think it was a little bit after my time. Yeah. Um, but thank you for that, for indulging my, di- that complete diatribe. And we ended with Amanda Bynes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's like the best podcast ending I think that we could have. Yeah, I think, I think I think that's the right ending. I think it just it just means we've covered everything, you know. Yeah, you know when you bring up Amanda Bynes yeah. on the podcast that you've gone every which way you possibly can. Yes. Well, oh. Andrew, thank you for doing this. Thanks for catching yeah. up. It was fun to hear what you've been up to, and you know, to tell you about heart and everything. So I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Oh, thank you, thank you, and I'm so excited to hear about your first two years, and I look forward to hearing about the next two years. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of On My Way to a BFA. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Andrew Bradis. You can follow him on Twitter at Andrew Bradis and follow his annoying actor friend account at actor underscore friend. Make sure to follow Broadway Radio on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and you can also follow me at Natalie underscore Nowak on Twitter and Instagram. 